Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've reached the end of another momentous week in the Republic. We have vanquished our enemies, we have solved the world's problems and we have asked all the right questions. Best of all, of course, we have heard some brilliant opinions and great ideas from all of you out there. The voices of common sense on the only radio station worth listening to at this time of the day. This morning will be no different. I'll be asking why Britain's most notorious female paedophile is to be released from prison after serving a sentence of less than 10 years. Guess what? Apparently, she has convinced the parole board that she has shown remorse for her crimes and she is no longer a danger to children. Vanessa George has also done precisely uh, what John Warboys, the black cab rapist, has done. She's changed her name so that when she does come out, even though she will be, of course, subject to all manner of conditions people will not know who she is. But let's just recap what she did, this Vanessa George creature. She abused dozens of babies and toddlers in a nursery and she sent pictures of the abuse to perverts and child sex offenders around the country. Once again, the system has failed the people. How much more of this are we expected to put up with, for heaven's sake? 0344 499 1000. And once again, the Justice Secretary, David Gork, was asked to to commission some kind of judicial review, which he was also asked to do about John Warboys, the black cab rapist. And guess what? He decided not to do it. What a useless and ridiculous man he is. Uh, Coming up also, we'll find out why science has finally caught up with my opinions on drunk driving, and we will investigate just how much trouble the Speaker John Burko could be in for bullying at the House of Commons. And because it's Friday, it's time for another sparkling rendition of the Perrier Awards. You won't want to miss another homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there are lots of reasons to get worked up about this story this morning, and I cannot tell you how disgraceful and how terrible the news is that I'm about to bring you. Britain's most notorious female paedophile is to be released from prison after showing remorse, in inverted commas, for abusing up to 30 infants who were in her care. Not only did she abuse these poor children, who are probably still suffering the trauma of what happened to them, but she sent pictures of the abuse that she was carrying out to a bunch of other perverts up and down the country, and for all we know, probably around the world. Once again, it's a case of being sentenced for uh, what they call an indeterminate time, which means that there's a minimum to serve, but there's no maximum. And this is exactly what happened to the black cab rapist John Warboys. Thankfully, uh, thanks to to, to the good offices of people like Carrie Simmons, Boris Johnson's girlfriend, uh, actually, he was kept in prison because she made enough of a fuss, kicked up enough of a stink, and actually went to the authorities to tell them how dangerous 
this guy was. We need somebody to do the same about Vanessa George because I do not want this woman out on the streets of this country. I do not want this woman out of prison. She is a danger to all children. And I don't believe that if you're a paedophile who does those kinds of things, that you can ever be cured, that you can ever show remorse, and that you should ever be allowed back out onto the streets. Let's talk to Jerry Hayes, a good friend of the show, barrister, of course, and former Tory MP. Jerry, very good morning to you. Good morning. I'm a bit shocked, as you're shocked about this particular decision. And unfortunately for David Gork, the, the Minister of Justice, it's come at the wrong time because he made a statement in the House of Commons in the light of the, the War Boys case that all this was going to be reviewed. He's put down various rule changes which would people stop this sort of thing happening, but they haven't come in force yet. He made, and I've just been looking it up because you invited me on, so I wanted to get this right. On the 4th of February, he said to the House of Commons, yeah, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and go, go into a minute, in a bit of detail what he, he wants to do. But the statutory instrument, because it has to be done by legislation, uh, hasn't been moved yet. Absolutely incredible. But it also comes back down to this kind of parole board situation, which was meant yeah. to have had a, a, a kind of a sea change going on, which was meant to have been completely and utterly revamped after the, uh, the War Boys case, which was meant to have been imbued with a lot more substance and a lot more sense. And appear, yeah. apparently it has not been, because this is a woman, let's not forget, who has done the kinds of things that I don't even want to talk about on this show, yeah, but, yeah, who, yeah. but who has actually... Uh, claimed that she has now got remorse for her crimes. I'm sorry, I don't believe her. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think what has gone wrong is that the legislation hasn't been implemented. All those things that we want to happen, you know, stop the, bl the, the, the blanket transparency or lack of transparency on decisions, um, that Lord Chancellor said, that's going to stop. Mm. They've got to give reasons for their decisions. And I've seen the reasons for the decision, and it's the line. We have looked at all those people and taken evidence from all those people we should have done, and they are of the view that she shows remorse uh, and that she's not going to be, and this is the key word, a significant risk yeah. to the public after release. Well, I'm afraid that's not good enough. But unfortunately, they're not obliged by law yet because Parliament hasn't decided on it. I suspect because they're so obsessed with Brexit. There hasn't been the parliamentary time. And what about this idea that they can somehow determine whether or not somebody has shown remorse or is sorry just by talking to them? Because, you know, there's no other way of judging it, is there? They can't, you can't judge remorse. You can't judge whether somebody is a reformed character. There's no way to do it. Well, they've, they've been doing it for a long time, sometimes with success and sometimes without success. And they do have to speak to psychiatrists. They do have to speak to everyone who's involved with the individual. But as they've just given us a, a one-line summary, we don't know who they spoke to and what the other people said. We don't know whether the decision, as it was in uh, War Boys, was totally flawed. Yeah. We know absolutely nothing. Yeah, but don't forget... Well, here's, yeah, but hang on. Here's what we yeah. do know, Jerry. We do know, for example, that he did keep the addresses of all of the women that he abused. We do yeah. know uh, that he showed absolutely no mercy to any of the oh, women yeah. that he oh, abused. Yeah. However, what we also know is that the parole board agreed to release him saying that he was no significant risk, even though they knew that he also had kept these addresses. I mean, it beggars belief, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does beg a belief. And this case is going to be another thorn in the, in, in the side of the government. Not because they're failing to take a grip of the situation, they have. But the actual consultation period is now finished. There's got to be more consultation before it can all go through. This is the difficulty. They're doing the right thing. They're doing the absolutely the right thing. Gork has got it absolutely right that ordinary members of the public will be able to challenge, 
challenge decisions like this, not be going to the courts, but going via officials and it will all be paid for and they have proper representation. That's a good thing. There's going to be no more uh, blanket um, lack of transparency from the parole board. None of this stuff has come in. And I, I think what Dave Gork should do today is say to the House of Commons, look, there are certain things that we need to reform, which takes a little bit more consultation. But the basic stuff that announced on the 4th of February, let's get it through, and let's get it through quickly. All the legislation's there. It's not going to take long. Do it now. Yeah. And one of the things that they also cite as evidence of her so-called re reforming and her remorse is that she's been well-behaved behind bars. Well, so what? <laughs> I don't care. I mean, I honestly don't care. No, no, I, I agree. And, and I know it's not very fashionable to say it, but I agree with you on this whole business of reform of paedophile. I don't think a paedophile can be reformed at no. all. I'm not saying you should throw away the key for life, but on the other hand, I don't think they can be reformed. Listen, I did an interview many years ago when I was starting out in my radio career up in Scotland. I worked for a, yeah. a, a radio station called Talk 107, and I was approached by a guy who wanted to come in and be interviewed, and he was a, con a, conv a convicted and a self-confessed paedophile, and he came in and he explained to me how he thought he had an illness, he explained to me how he thought he needed help, and he explained to me how he didn't think that he was safe to be around children. But yeah. nobody actually wanted to lock him up. And he said, you know, until I commit an offence, nobody's going to do anything for me. And he finished the interview. People were getting worked up, believe it or not, because I spoke to him, rather than getting worked up about what he actually did, right? Yeah. Um, he then left the interview studio where I was in a place called the South Guile, uh, in yeah. uh, just outside of Edinburgh. And he walked yeah. and he said, after I leave here, I'm going to walk to the shopping centre and I'm going to watch children all day, right? Good now. God. Nobody arrested him for that because it's not an arrestable offence. She has been right. ordered, right, when she is released in probably September, not to go near children. Oh, well, that's, that's all right, right then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. these people are vile. They are incredibly manipulative. They are very good at finding ways of doing what it is that gives them pleasure without anybody else knowing. I mean, it's beggar's belief, this whole story is incredible to me. It, it's, it is remarkable, and it couldn't have come at a worse time. Yeah. Because just another month or so, all this stuff would come through. Um, the parole board just doesn't think these things through. By and large, they do a really good job on cases like this, which is so obvious. Just think a little bit more. Think how the public can react to it. Is this woman really remorseful? Well, you know, is she really no longer going to be a significant risk to children? I mean, do they what, not the understand that... The yeah, but also, 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 Jerry, do they not understand yeah. that one of the reasons that she's showing remorse, in inverted commas, that she's telling them she's a reformed character, is because, guess what? That's how she's going to get out. Well, you see, if you don't show remorse, you don't get out. Right. Simple as that. So it's, an, it's, it's a very good incentive to be remorseful. Well, she's had seven years to think about it. Maybe she has had this great Damasia conversion. But we ought to know what steps they took to find out if she really is remorseful. What steps they actually took, who they consulted, what the other people said to show that she's not going to be a significant risk. Mm. Now, if they can do all of that, then I think the public would be a little happier than they are at the moment. Well, but I mean, the trouble is, the trouble is as well, Jerry, as you well know, this is a very high-profile case. She was a very high-profile case. Yeah. There will be dozens of other people like her who were not quite so high-profile, who won't make it onto page one of the Daily Mail no. when they get released, no. but they would no. also have been released under the same rules. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I entirely agree. I mean, the... The courts are clogged up with sexual cases. Yeah. They really are. And also, looking at stuff online, 
Um, there is some, some MPs, and I think they're wrong, who are basically saying, well, we, we can't deal with anyone who just looks at child porn. It's, it's, it's those people who look at the particularly extreme ki- kind of child porn uh, that we should be prosecuting. The answer is no. Everybody who's involved with this should be prosecuted and sent to prison. It really is quite remarkable. Listen, Jerry, thank you as ever for taking the time to talk to us. Jerry Hayes, barrister, uh, former Tory MP. As appalled as I am that this woman, Vanessa George, who, by the way, is going to revert to her maiden name, apparently, uh, of Vanessa Marks, I believe it is, uh, when she's released. Now, don't uh, call me old-fashioned, but I wonder whether she's doing that in order not to draw attention to herself. The trouble is, of course, uh, she will draw attention to herself because she weighs about 20 stone uh, and she's rather a ghastly-looking individual. And the crimes that she committed... Were were entirely ghastly, unthinkable, even unmentionable, just not the kinds of things that we want to talk about. But abusing young babies, young toddlers, and sending pictures of that abuse and videos of that abuse to other child sex offenders and other paedophiles and perverts. I mean, this is really the lowest of the low. You do not show remorse for something like that. You do not ever regret doing stuff like that, because if you did, you would never have done it in the first place. This woman is a monster. She does not deserve to be back on the streets of this country. I think we should do everything we possibly can to prevent this from happening. I want to hear from you. 0344 499 1000. And is it time, ladies and gentlemen, to think of a different way of punishing paedophiles? Because clearly, taking them into prison and letting them back out again is not the answer, is it? The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. We're here with you until 1 o'clock when Matthew Wright uh, will be taking over until 4, of course, and it's drive time with Dan Wooten. Loads of you have been in touch. Loads of you want to get on the phone and we will get to all of you, of course. Don't you worry about that. I've got a great tweet here from Annette who sent me uh, a piece of uh, journalism from The Guardian in which it says, and this is dated Saturday 12th of January 2019, uh, grailing under fire a serious crimes committed on parole saw by 50%. I seem to remember we covered this at the time. The number of rapes, murders and other serious crimes committed by offenders on parole has risen by more than 50% since reforms to probation were introduced four years ago, according to official data that has triggered calls for the government to rethink its plans for another shake-up of the service. It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? This woman, Vanessa George, who committed such vile, ghastly and horrendous crimes, uh, is due to be released in September because apparently she's sorry. Do me a small favour. Let's talk to John Rental uh, and move back into the relatively calming world of politics for a moment. John, a very good uh, morning to you. <laughs> good morning, Mike. Well, yeah, it's we've been... Got a, we've got a bit, of lull, a bit of a lull going on in the rolling constitutional crisis yes. that is British politics. Yes, I mean, uh, but don't worry, there's still plenty of places to go and search out uh, some scandal. I mean, uh, we'll be talking later on in the show about, uh, about Speaker John Burko and his particular problems. Uh, Boris Johnson will be appearing here at the News Building on Monday... Uh, for his final debate with uh, Jeremy Hunt, which is being jointly sponsored by Talk Radio and The Sun. Um, meanwhile, um, life goes on, I suppose. I mean, Theresa May is still looking for a legacy to leave behind. Um, yes. What are, you, what, are you making, what are you making of it all? The ambassador's job is open for a uh, suggestion over in Washington? <laughs> yeah, and Theresa May setting up an office for tackling injustices, which, uh, <laughs> which sounds like something from the thick of it. I mean, she is either trying to sort of trying to desperately achieve something in her final final few weeks. It just it reminds me of Tony Blair's 
final year or 18 months he had, where he actually did actually make some decisions and achieve uh, something. I mean, he actually negotiated something with the, the G7 on, on climate change, which is a bit like what Theresa May did, only she just sort of set a target. Right. Um, Although she has committed us to an awfully expensive uh, few years to come with this kind of zero emissions nonsense. And somebody said to me the other day, you know, you might argue that we voted for Brexit, but we're not getting it. Uh, we didn't yeah. vote for climate change emergency <laughs> legislation, but we're getting that as well. Well, that's right. But, I mean, what she did there was just set a target. I mean, anybody can set a target. What's, uh, what really matters with climate change is securing international uh, international treaties mm. to uh, to get countries to cooperate and right. that's that's what that's what Tony Blair did actually in his in his last year or so um so she's she is uh, scrabbling around but i mean she can't get away from the fact that she's only going to be remembered in in history for one thing which is uh, her failure to deliver yeah, absolutely right and also her incredible ability uh, to sort of uh, knacker herself by holding an election uh, which left her worse off than it, than it than if she hadn't had one <laughs> was very true very true i mean she should she should, by right, she should have stopped being prime minister then. I mean, I think then, then actually history would probably be a bit kinder to yeah. her because she would she wouldn't have been there for very long. She would have been quite popular while she was there until the until the election, but people would have forgotten that yes. quite quickly. But because I think of, I think in Cameron's case, for example, I mean, people are often critical of Cameron for quitting and walking away, but actually that's exactly what he should have done because he and his project failed miserably. He yeah, thought they no, were going to win, and I think the fact that he that he resigned showed him to be a man of some honour. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine what people would be saying if he if he tried to stay on? Yeah. I mean, you know, all this stuff about you know David Cameron. He walked. He caused this great mess and walked away. What he did was he asked the British people a question. They gave him an answer which he didn't like. Yeah. So quite rightly, uh, he stepped down. And um, you know, the fact that other people have made a mess of of, of uh, delivering on that uh, question and answer. Uh, is not really his fault. No, which brings us back to the age-old question that I should—I suspect I'll be asking you forever, uh, as long as one of us is still alive. Um, <laughs> is, is you know, how is it going to be any different when they all come back from summer holidays in in Parliament in September towards the end of it? Um, nothing's going to be any any different, is it? It's going to be totally different because Boris Johnson believes in the bin, as uh, as Rory Stewart. Oh, I'd forgotten it, about him. I'd almost forgotten about. I've almost forgotten about Rory Stewart. <laughs> he, said, he said he said Brexit is like is like him trying to get three bags of rubbish into a bin uh, and his wife telling him that it won't fit and he was saying believe in the bin believe in the bin <laughs> you're quite right i mean nothing nothing will will have changed except boris boris believes um and apparently this is going to this is going to uh, uh, upturn the the laws of arithmetic uh, and uh, he will he will deliver deliver brexit and the sunlit uplands uh, in in no time at all no, I mean, I think I think Boris Johnson is going to be, uh, you know, obviously he's going to become prime minister on the twenty fourth of July. I mean, there's no then, real doubt uh, about that, is there? No, I don't. I don't think there is. I mean, his his lead in those uh, polls of Tory party members is so huge yeah. that even if even if he sort of threw it all away, I think most of them have voted already. So I think I think he's going to be prime minister. And then the only question is, um, you know, how long before the uh, before the utter disaster and, and catastrophe of, uh, of of him failing to deliver Brexit? <laughs> well, I mean, I can I can only say, and I, I don't know whether this makes me slightly um, uh, um, psychopathic. I'm quite looking forward to it all going wrong. <laughs> I mean, just because it will make for great radio, to be honest. <laughs> well, good for trade. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the point is, as soon as Boris Johnson 
takes over, the constitutional crisis will uh, will resume at, yeah. a, at an even at an even more intense pitch than before. Yeah. Because and because also because people hate him a lot more than they hate Theresa May. Well, that's right, and he is also you know he's starting again. He's much he's a more forceful character. He's a more colourful character, um, and he's he is certainly prepared to entertain you know outrageous things like uh, suspending Parliament. Yeah. Uh, and all the rest of it. And so, you know, the constitutional crisis is definitely going to go up a notch. Yeah, now I put this to somebody yesterday, and they poo-pooed it, but I'm going to put it to you as a far more imaginative individual. What would be the case for you if Boris Johnson killed two birds with one stone, he appoints Nigel Farage as ambassador to the United States of America, completely thereby pulling the rug away from the Brexit party, making um, Nigel Farage work for him, and in fact not have anything to do with Brexit? <laughs> well, that would be quite clever. It would, but it doesn't. Well, I mean, it's quite clever in that it would uh, it would completely disable the Brexit party. Yeah, but um, but that doesn't solve Boris Johnson's fundamental problem, which is how does he get us out of the EU? And if he can't uh, if he can't do that, then he, you know, his 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 time as prime minister is going to be destroyed. In, in, in an even shorter yeah. time than Theresa May. And do you think that is very much dependent upon the date of October 31st, that if we are still in the EU on November the 1st, he's toast, is that what you're saying? Yes, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he will no doubt um, say that, you know, he's, he's nearly there, he's, he's sort of he's negotiating a, a brilliant deal with the European Union, he just needs a, just needs a bit more time. Uh, but, I mean, I just think people will will have tired by that. I mean, it'll only be 100 days after he's taken over. But, I mean, I think people will will not forgive him for that. Mm. And I think that's the problem. I think that's, that's the cliff edge he's Yeah. And is there any way that he can convince those who would prefer not to leave at all in the Tory party, plus those who want to leave without a deal? I mean, can he bring it all together, though? Because, I mean, he is a rem- I mean, he was a very good mayor of London. He is able to, to make things happen. So, I mean, there is a small well, chance in the back of my mind that he can do that he can do it. I don't, I don't, I don't see how he can get the numbers, to be honest. I mean, because uh, even if he could persuade all of the uh, of, of the Conservative MPs to, to to vote for it, apart from the ones who don't want to leave and are always going to vote against it, um, even then he still needs Labour votes, and uh, I just don't see where he's going to get them from. I mean, yeah. I just don't see Labour MPs uh, voting for something because Boris Johnson asks them to. Uh, when they wouldn't vote for it because Theresa May no, asked them No, to. I guess not. And now that we know they are the party of Remain, as they continue to tell us... Um, well, increasingly so, yeah. But they, I mean, they, well, there, are, there are Labour MPs who are not like that. Right. And, and, and you know, maybe some of them... Uh, you know, you do hear whispers of some of them regretting the fact that they didn't vote for Theresa May's deal last time. But, I mean, the, the question is whether there are enough of them. And I just I just don't think the the numbers are there. No. No, I'm, I fear you are correct. But, John, the good news for both of us is that we will hopefully be gainfully employed uh, for some time to come while still operating under the Brexit sort of uh, umbrella. Because, yeah. uh, because I, don't know what, I don't know whether the European Union at some point are just going to say, look, why don't you just go? Just never mind, yeah. you know? Well, they might. They might. I mean, I, it's a possibility. I think that is, a, that is probably the only way we are going to leave if right. Emmanuel Macron uh, decides to get rid of us. But... I mean, the, the European Union does have this thing about unity and wanting everyone to be part of it. And, you know, much as I know, they... it's disgraceful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Shocking. Then, you know, why... I mean, their view will be, you know, if the, if the British can't organise themselves to leave, why should we take that decision for yeah. them? Yeah, no, I know. 
I know, it's quite extraordinary. But listen, uh, John, it'll be great, uh, I'm sure, to come uh, in the next few weeks and the next few months as well. John Rental, the uh, Chief Political Commentator from The Independent. I mean, it is really very amusing to me. I know some people take this very seriously, and of course I take it seriously. Don't for a minute think that I do not take it seriously. However, there is a sort of comic aspect now to the whole Brexit nonsense. And don't forget, uh, listen to Talk Radio on Monday. Well, you probably listen to it every day anyway, but on Monday we have the final um, sort of a debate with um, the Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, and with Boris Johnson, who is more than likely to become the next Prime Minister very, very shortly on the 24th of July. Uh, but the debate to be held right here in the news building, conjunction with The Sun and Talk Radio, the final debate, the only debate you need to hear, really, uh, and it will be live right here on Talk Radio from 7pm. Uh, I'm Mike Graham. This is The Independent Republic. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Lots of breaking stories going on as we speak, of course. Uh, you will have heard about the John Leslie situation, which we can't say too much about because he's just been uh, arrested and charged. Uh, we've just sent another warship to the Gulf, apparently, as well. No doubt to escort one or two oil tankers through the Straits of Ormuz. Uh, we shall see what goes on there and keep an eye on that over the course of the weekend. But how about this uh, for a headline, right, which is one you perhaps wouldn't have expected to see, never mind be discussed actually right here on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It basically says this, that men who have plastic surgery uh, are seen as more likeable. Now, I don't know why they would be seen as more likeable, and I don't understand how that could possibly be the case, but researchers found that facial nips and tucks uh, that, have, that have been performed on people like Simon Cowell actually enhance perceptions of noble characteristics, including honesty. Really? Let's talk to Dr. Dirk Kramer and find out why this is. Dr. Dirk, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, thank you. Happy to make our yeah, show. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. I mean, rather confusingly, um, the people running the story of this uh, particular study have used a picture of Michael Jackson uh, as an illustration of uh, somebody who is uh, somebody to, to be seen as honest and uh, noble. Exactly. I'm not quite sure they've got that one right. Uh, you know, when I first... Uh, saw this article and you guys approached me and what do you have to say? And I was thinking also the same like you said, that's really weird because Michael Jackson's not the person who looks very trustworthy. No, he's, he's also not a great study in, in what to do if you get plastic surgery because he had so much plastic surgery that he exactly. completely changed the way he looked. You know, I, I, I was wondering, I think the point is what they want to say that if you have a certain look, um, you might look, yeah, as they say, trustworthy honest, you might look successful, but it, it should look like you have plastic surgery. That's the very important difference. Right. You sh it should look natural. Of course, if you if you sit in front of me and you're full of plastic surgery, I don't think you're trustworthy at all. No, and I think so, the same so goes, I mean, I, I was going to say, I think the same goes for women as well, because, you know, there's a certain point at which say, one or two actresses, I'm not going to name them, or one or two people who have been in the news, if they've had too much plastic surgery, it just looks wrong. It looks wrong, it looks silly, and especially a man doesn't get away with that. Right. So women, where's a fine line? Maybe yes. Um, men, they could easily feminize. They look too dumb, they look narcissistic if it's all about the looks. So it should be, we talk about subtle changes, and that maybe might change the perception of how, how people look at you. And it's very interesting, if you look in the mirror, and everybody who listens can do that very easily when they look in the mirror, and... By, by changing the shape of your eyebrow, if you, for example, put the middle of your eyebrow with a finger a bit lower, 
or you, you raise the brows or on the side, the eyebrows, you lift them with your finger, you always create a different facial expression. Yeah. You could look very friendly, you could look devilish, you could look mean, you could look very astonished. So just by like a millimeter, the eyebrows higher or lower, we can already make such a change in our appearance. So that's, I think, what these researchers talked about, um, that little yeah, facial features let us think, give an impression what type you are, which unfortunately it's not true. You know, it, it's the same if you think about it. If, if it's an old example, if somebody with very, very thin lip, a very thin lipped woman, for example, it's very unfortunate for them, but probably people would say, mm, this is mean. She's not such a friendly woman. Whereas a woman with full voluptuous lips, you think, oh, she's sweet, which which is unfortunately not true. And that's, that's right. very unfortunate for the people with, for example, thin lips, that our brain works like this. Nobody, you know, we didn't learn that. We, we, we just, you ask 20 people, you show somebody with thinner lips, they're probably going to come to the same conclusion. Right. So they're not in the cosmetic industry. They don't work that. And you wonder why do they judge the same? Because our brain <laughs> connects different facial features and we come to the conclusion how a person is. Right, because, I mean, I don't know whether this has been brought on more by the kind of onset of, of, of what we see on TV, for example, Love Island, which is full of people who have had little nips and tucks, even though they're still quite young. I mean, not all of them have, but an awful lot of them have, and it's all about how they look. It's all about, you know, what your first impression is of them rather than what sort of personality they have, really. And, I mean, is this very much a survey which fits in with what you might call sort of Western values, as it were? So if you went to another part of the world you might find that actually um, people's perceptions of the way you look are completely different. You know, we live in a global world, and I just bring the example of social media, Instagram. So, you know, we're worldwide connected. So that's why it is definitely a global trend. You know, Asian countries, they're hysterical with their looks. So you can't say that it's different or better. It's the same thing. Uh, we watch pictures on Instagram on like hourly basis and there are people from all over the world. So this is a trend, I would say, if you, um, in a modern world, that it goes nationwide, worldwide. Right. And according to the, the study, um, it says 50% of men aged 18 to 30 might consider having a procedure. That's a lot, isn't it, compared to maybe a few years ago? It, it, it's a lot. It's um, still compared to women. It's like fifteen to twenty percent the the percentage of of patients who are male in, in the cosmetic surgery um, industry. Uh, it definitely has risen the number. And the last year, we first time we had the average age of male patient undergoing cosmetic procedures with under forty five. Under forty five because the number of the twins, early twenties has risen and that's really i talked about it many many times due to this instagram culture mm. it becomes so important the first impression and unfortunately yes the way you look people judge you and i, I still i'm a plastic surgeon so i have to point out I'm, I'm not so superficial um to say that's the right way i think it's the wrong way and i made so many times experience that a person that you would maybe judge <laughs> doesn't have the perfect facial features but with great charismatic personality with being funny they become looking good or beautiful so it's too easy to say i make a few changes and basically my personality i'm an idiot right. <laughs> then so, you won't look as good anymore so so we do we shouldn't just 
just by the looks. We should emphasize that that's the most important thing. We still should work on our personality. I think a charismatic person is always looking beautiful. Right. I mean, would you say there is, I mean, I don't know whether you have such a thing, but do you have sort of a book when people come to see you uh, with the perfect face in it and say, well, you could either look like this or we could make you look a little yeah, bit like this? You know, usually these patients, especially male patients, come with a perfect picture. And what the difference is, it used to be that they come with a picture from a movie star right. or a pop star. Now they come with their own picture modified with one of these apps, you know, on, on the mobile phone. You take a selfie, oh, yes. then you can modify it. So, right. so then they say, oh, well, you know, I look amazing. I got so many more likes when I posted my picture really? modified like that. And so that's very interesting. They come with a modified picture and say, can you make me look like this picture? Mm. And do you think more men now want to do it then as far as uh, getting, because that's, because that's the yeah. reasoning. They think they can make themselves more attractive. Oh, definitely. I mean, they, they follow the example which, you know, women have given over, over almost six decades. Um, men woke up in the last five years, I would say. Before, it was really when, when you had a male patient who was very focused on the looks, it, it was almost borderline to you thought is a narcissistic person. Nowadays, a young gentleman comes into the office and clearly says, you know what, could you do this and that? I'd, I'd look better. I'd come across better. Um, you... You believe this person, you listen to this guy, and yeah, you, you try <laughs> to help him if it makes sense. Um, but there has been a shift in uh, yeah, the male patient, uh, the, the, the motivation they have. Now, I'm told disgracefully that my production team have sent you a picture of me. Uh, I'm surprised uh, you didn't have it. one. I'm surprised you didn't have one already, to be honest, Dr. Dirk. But um, uh, have you spotted any uh, improvements that you could make? <laughs> um, uh, well, and we haven't got that much time, obviously. I looked at the picture, and first of all, it left a very good impression. And you know, with the way you are, the combination of all the facial features, you created a type. You know, you, you look very arty. You look, you look like a bit of witty. You look like fun. So, so <laughs> up to me to say we need to change that. I wouldn't say that. If you tell me now, you know what? I would like to have a modified jawline. I would like to have more open eyelids. Can you do that? I would tell you, yes, we can do that. Um, but I think I always step back. I would never tell you now, you know what, Mike, do this and this and this. And right. you look better. Because I mean, I have in many ways. I've you, got talking to you, you look great. You, you're a great person. Yeah, well, also, I've had this face for a long time. Um, my producer, rather unkindly, says any jawline would be good for me at this point. But, but that just involves losing a bit of weight. But I've got the perfect nose, I've often been told. And my lips are very um, luxurious. Very, and especially the lower lip I've seen. You know, it looks very good. I've nothing to say. The nose is perfect. Exactly. Um, the way you present yourself, the hairstyle, mm. uh, the glasses you chose, it, it created this arty... Uh, yeah, an arty guy. Um, so there we are. Listen, you can I come back any time. Listen, Dr. <laughs> Dirk, appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Dirk Kramer, there. what a very splendid plastic surgeon he is. He basically says, I don't need any plastic surgery. I've got the perfect face. I'm arty, I'm funny, I'm witty. He likes my hair. This is great, isn't it? This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.34, and it is time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards.
You look as if you're poised to introduce the Perrier Awards. I don't know I introduce you first. Yeah. Yeah, Con Mendes is here with the Perrier Awards. Very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mr. Mendes. Thank you very much. Welcome. Cheers. Thank How you. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. Thanks, Thanks. for How dressing up. That's all right. <laughs> Dress Down Friday. Yeah, of course. Um, as is every other day. Mm. Welcome once more uh, to the Perry Awards. This is, of course, where we go back over the past week of the so-called Independent so-called. Republic of Mike Graham yes. and choose our very favourite moments. Well, Monday, we'll see Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt go head-to-head live here on Talk Radio from 7pm, which can only mean one thing. Next week, periods. Next week's periods are going to be absolutely gold. Uh, uh, <laughs> Unlike I, this week's. No, yeah, I won't be here, and all the more better. Um, uh, but tradition. Um, but let's begin because we've got loads to get through. Yes. Uh, tradition does dictate that you win the first. Thank period. goodness. However, before we get to that, we have some unfinished business from last week. A late entry in mm. the very last section of last week's show. Oh yes. Ross Kempsell, our political editor, managed to win the Lost for Words Award. Now, I've got some good news for you if you've got a bit of time to spare while you're up in Darlington. Apparently, uh, there's a head of steam museum there. And also, if you're going to be around for a bit longer, um, at the Darlington Hippodrome, coming up, uh, an evening with Brian Blessed, the Little Mix show, which I think is a tribute act, and then In the Night Garden, which is a personal favourite of mine, Eagle Piggle's Busy Day. (laughs) Well, when when Jeremy Hunt uh, arrived in Darlington this morning, he... That's a great laugh he's got. We haven't he's, heard it very yeah, often. No, he's a very straight man. So yes. Do you think he likes Eagle that. Piggle then? Do you, do you oh, deduce from that? Well, I think so, yeah. It's very good in the night garden, I have to tell you. It's um, a man made of completely of stones. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. I think it's written by people on drugs. <laughs> it's a kid's show, but it's very trippy. Oh, well. Um, should we start with this week's Go now? on, then. Uh, MG, it is your turn, finally. You win, as you so often do, the Man of the People Award. You don't need to be taught the price of milk. You just go to a shop and see sure? the price of milk. Well, do you know what the price of milk is? Yeah, 50p for a pint. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like 65, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, I think 50p is a really? standard, yeah. You, just you shop don't at, know. You shop at nicely, yeah, of course. I buy milk all the time. Uh, congratulations to Gatwick Airport. Ah, yes. Uh, air, pa- air traffic control. They win the barrier for mode of the week. We'll also be talking to Simon Calder about what on earth went wrong at Gatwick Airport last night where the entire air traffic control system seemed to go into El Collapso mode. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, nothing. It's you know what it means, El Collapso? Yeah, it's a bit of Spanish a, a for you. Brilliant mode, yeah. It reminds me of a name you call me. Um... Uh, <laughs> Which we can't repeat no, on this show no. at this time. Uh, whilst we're on airports, it seems fitting that we hear from Simon Calder. He wins exclamation of the week. Uh, you've had diversions to Bournemouth, to Luton, to Stansted. Even one went down to um, Heathrow. Mm. Well, Heathrow. I mean, my goodness me. It is, it is an airport, isn't it? Who'd have thought? Yeah, I know. Imagine flight. that. The closest airport, <laughs> yeah. actually, to Gatwick. You couldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Um, listener Keith on Twitter now. He wins Tweet of the Week. And Keith says, the politician's answer to climate change, more green taxes, stop eating meat, stop driving cars with combustion engines, stop cows farting, all policies to kill off more jobs in Britain. <laughs> Those poor cow farters. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> they're going to be listen, out of work. Yeah, they are, they are. But they do cause a lot of uh, global warming, they do. I <laughs> promise do, you, with the methane. True. That's why we should all stop eating meat. You're correct. Well, Mark. no, you should keep no, eating just, it, because then they won't said. be farting if they're dead, will they? That's true. Uh, never mind. Uh, you got to think these things through. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I forget that you can talk back to me in this. It's weird. Yes. Uh, 
Cooler John in Spain now. He wins the Peria for managing to prick up all the ears of us producers, uh, but for winning the definitely not swearing award. John, very good uh, morning to you. Morning to you, yeah. Uh, my fox has been shot at the freedom. <laughs> it's an interesting turn of phrase, that, but it is a good one. It's mm. one that I should use again. Is it my flock has... My fox has been shot. Oh, it means fox. that basically your argument has been dis has, has yeah, disappeared. Yeah, of course. Uh, very well. Uh, thanks, John. Call in again. Uh, you do know what a fox is, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's these uh, little dog-type things. Uh, back to both you and uh, Ross now. OK. Um, you guys win the Perrier for Word of the Week, having been inspired by a certain Mr Jeremy Hunt. Christophobia, apparently, is one of the words he wants to use. It sounds like uh, somebody's frightened of people called Christopher. Yes, I should imagine that that will be uh, from the prefix Christo, meaning to do with Christians. Or fear uh, of Christo Fufas, who occasionally appears here on tour uh, radio. Uh, something we all suffer from, from time to time. We do, absolutely right. I had no idea Ross suffered from that, fear of Christo. <laughs> no, well, he's just come into the studio. He just came in to say hello. Told me he charming sees, man. sees me out, out and about. He's which, been spotting uh, you in Brixton. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I now have Christo I'd be a bit worried about that, for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Um, although Ken in Newcastle, however, wasn't convinced by that word. He wins control of the week. Foreign Secretary has come out and said that he wants to introduce a new law and a new name for that law called Christophobia. Christian phobia. Christophobia. No, it's Christian phobia. It's rampant, mate. No. <laughs> he wasn't having it at all. No. Christian phobia, apparently. Yeah. A lot of phobias around this yeah, week. There is. Uh, there always is. Uh, Kenophobia. <laughs> uh, back to you, Mike. You yes. win Weirdest Metaphor of the Week. Is completely and utterly nonsensical. Uh, so if you want to have that sort of view, by all means, ring me and tell me why. Uh, but you may have to park it uh, in the car park of insignificance. What's wrong with that? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It's just weirdly I poetical. Quite like that. It's it Monday. Is, yeah. well, I don't just... even know where this stuff comes from half the time. <laughs> yeah, he pulled it out of nowhere. Have you never been to the car park of insignificance? <laughs> um, it's downstairs. Maybe. I... <laughs> <laughs> there isn't one. Um, Lots, uh, lots for you this week, Mike. You also win Nautical Expert of the Week. How about this from uh, uh, Hackett? He says, I'd like to see Attenborough do his next series, Travelling the World by Wind-Powered Boat. He's cost us millions of pounds over the years, so I'm not interested in what he has to say. Well, wind-powered boat, you mean, or, in uh, or perhaps in other words, a sailing ship, a yacht even. There you mm, are. Yeah, it's good. It's all wind correct. Wind-powered boat. I googled that after and that Did was... You? Yeah, you there were you correct on yeah. that. Well done. Thank uh, you. Friend of the show, comedian Mark Dolan now. He wins the Perrier for smuttiest guest this week. Mm. Basically gone to bed at about 7am and at about 9am this kind of, you know... Like I that. just saw it. Just, Are you sure just, it was that kind of banging, Mike? It was definitely that kind of banging, absolutely certain. Not just jealousy on your part. Not at all, no, absolutely. I've never had a jealous bone in my body. Uh, of course, and also the interrailers who are carrying a back sack. Uh, a back sack? A back sack? That's, that that's a Freudian a, slip. That takes you back to last night. Um, the noisy neighbours. You see what I mean? He calls himself a comedian. Yeah, we can't trust him He's at just all. a smut merchant. <laughs> uh, another one for you, Mike. You... <laughs> <laughs> You gave Simon Calder the proposition of the week. 15 euros is all they want for that first flight from Paphos to uh, uh, to Beirut. So I put my name down for that. That's about thirteen pounds. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely I'm definitely up for that. We shall uh, perhaps take a trip together, Simon. Thank you very much indeed, Simon Calder. There, what are you suggesting? Sounds very nice. Nothing I'd love to go on all. a trip. Imagine going on a trip with Simon Calder. He knows oh, everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, he's definitely the guy to get the old upgrade at the hotel, and you know, mm, well, you can't get an upgrade on Ryanair, really, can you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the upgrades are pilots. Yeah, yeah go drive it, yeah. Uh, drive it, yeah, drive a plane. Uh, Paul Conyu now. Uh, 
he wins the Perrier for highest pitch guest of the week. And Man. he's and he's made a bit a, a bit of a blunder. So he's only got himself to blame in a way. Although, as we've said earlier, there, there will well, be I don't, an I don't... investigation. He hasn't. He, I mean, you don't need to write that stuff down. There's no need to communicate it in that's the what, way that, that he did. That's what ambassadors do. Look at. Well, they don't. Surely, surely they they say it. They don't. They no, don't write no, it down. No, they do. They do it in cables, which are meant to be confidential. Well, he's right about that. He was very, yeah. No wonder he was worked so exercised <laughs> yeah, by it. Yeah, he was very high there. Yeah. Um, well, he uh, wasn't so actually high. Pitched. No, I no. should. Uh, we let's. Um, yeah, that's clarify that. Yeah, speaking. yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that, of course. I've known Paul Conyer a long time, and he's never been high. Brilliant. Uh, good. Love the law. Love this next one as well. <laughs> During a breaking news report with David Spencer, Mike, you again, you won a side of the week. For a lot of observers, and particularly you know, people like us that work in the media, um, this was a clear case of contempt of court, which was an interesting one to, to mm. watch. And as last week's conviction proved when the case was redone, um, he walked into court this morning uh, wearing a T-shirt saying convicted of journalism, uh, just to yeah, sort right. of make a, a <laughs> statement. <laughs> It is ridiculous, isn't it? It's yeah. not even English, apart from anything else. <laughs> no. um, I should have corrected it for him and given it back. Uh, if it wasn't English, he wouldn't have liked it. Uh, Matthew Wright now, uh, he wins the absolute classic of a Perrier, Wrong Namer of the Week. We are with the headlines at one o'clock. Here's Emily Rose Adams. It's Rachel Gilbert. Thank you, Matthew, coming up. <laughs> record libel. Well, that's chaos. easily done. That I mean, we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? Yeah. Because sometimes the producer doesn't tell you who's reading the news. Yeah. Well, his uh, producer hasn't won any awards. So no, that, that's that true. That explains why. Not even that under thirty one. Everybody else has won. No, no, I don't think many people have won that. Everyone's won that one. No. I mean, you've got three of them, haven't you? I've won it twice. Twice. Yeah, and there's only one other person. In How the can you win the same award twice? Uh, well, they've actually banned it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call it the Mendez law. <laughs> yeah, once you've got up there, you've pulled the ladder away from everybody <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah. That's nice. Um, finally, uh, Matthew took five minutes out of that show to have a wander around and reflect on his mistake. Fortunately, his trusty right-hand man, Kevin O'Sullivan, was on hand to win Substitute of the Week. With the half-hour headlines, here's Rachel Jewell. We're back on! We're back on! Oh, are we? <laughs> I thought we were talking to Rachel Jewell. So, uh, guess who's with us now? It's uh, Dr. Ellie Khan. How are she's you? She's here to cure the sick over the airwaves. Exactly. I thought I, thought I had a much smaller role in this show, but uh, clearly I, I've taken over from Matthew, right? So, welcome to the show, uh, Ellie. <laughs> when did all this happen? Uh, it was uh, Monday, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. That. yeah, you could hear, again, more award-losing <laughs> production in the back. Is that why the rest back. of the week yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't blame him. Uh, that is it, finally. Long one. Uh, uh, for the Perry Awards this week, there will be more, thankfully, without me, next week. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.